Gospel of John, chapter 15. The Gospel of John, chapter 15. We will read that text in a few moments, but before we read it, I would like for us to get a sense of the context of the chapter and verse, or verses, I should say, that we're going to be reading, because I think it uh, is extremely important as to ascertaining how important this passage really is. Most of us are somewhat familiar with the life of Jesus, what transpired in his life, and in, and uh, what order it came, perhaps, a lot of it anyway. But if you look in John chapter 13, it begins with a passage that's dealing with Jesus washing the saints' feet, the disciples there. Um, the context of that is, of course, the Last Supper of our Lord. Communion they were observing there for the first time. Up until that point, it had been Passover, but Jesus gives it new significance. And so today we call it communion or the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper. And he sits there with the disciples and has this meal. It happens on the same evening that he will be betrayed and later crucified. So then that would mean... That as we read chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16, and even 17, all of this happens right in that period of time. This is known as as the final discourse of Jesus. And as you read through it carefully, you'll see that he is saying some things that are of extreme importance. That's just not casual teaching. He's about to be betrayed. He's about to be tried and mistreated and cruelly treated. He's about to be crucified within the next few hours. And he has this opportunity as he sits with his disciples there to say certain things to them. So it's in that context that he speaks to them uh, in chapter 14 about the coming of the Holy Spirit. This is a passage of scripture that we're very familiar with, uh, beginning in verse chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father. He will send you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you. And will be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you orphans. But I will come to you. And he's speaking there of course. In the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. When you jump over to chapter 16. There's a lot more talked about there. About the coming comforter. For instance. um, It says in, in chapter 15. Actually. In the 26th verse, but when the helper comes, when the comforter comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And on and on he goes in chapter 16 telling us about the comforter. So all of this conversation, all of this dialogue happens literally hours before Jesus goes to the cross. 
So another passage that we read sometimes, but I think we probably don't make that connection, we don't understand the context, is the text that we will now read for today. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. I think understanding the timing, understanding the context, gives great weight and importance to this passage. Probably more so than we've ever attached to it before. Jesus said, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. That it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And I will say to you, if you'll take the time to read that and really think through it, it is an unbelievably important, heavy, meaty Needful passage of scripture. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, Jesus said. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. So the title of the sermon today I have given it is connections. Connections are very important. It's very important to, as we will see illustrated here in the next few moments in several ways, uh, to have connections so that the proper things happen when they're supposed to happen. In the news this past week, most of you probably have seen this story that has broken. It actually happened about three or four months ago, but it only became public just recently. As the CEO of Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina was driving his Cadillac down the highway, drinking with his children in the in the vehicle. I don't remember their ages, so they might not have been little bitty kids. I want to imply that because I don't know. But he's driving, he's intoxicated, he's swerving all over the highway. Somebody was following him, filming it. He actually runs into an 18-wheeler and bangs it a couple of times. And as he does this, he subsequently is arrested and interrogated by police and examined and so forth. And he said something that came to my mind relative to this sermon today. He said to the policeman, being very belligerent, being very stubborn, he let them know that he had connections. He said, I will call the governor. 
I'm sure they were trembling in their boots. Uh, isn't it amazing? It, now, it does help to have friends in high places, folks. As they say, it's not how much you know, it's who you know. And sometimes that's true. But in this particular case, they didn't fall for it. He was guilty. Everyone knew he was guilty. He hasn't been able to wiggle out of that. And he has subsequently lost his job. However, the truth remains that most of the time, connections are extremely, very, very important. As a matter of fact, I've got some connections I want to share with you this morning. And before you get all worked up and you think I'm just boasting, I'm going to tell you if you're a born-again Christian today, you have the same connections, okay? I have some connections today. First of all, let me tell you about my father. My father, according to scripture, owns the cattle on a thousand hills. As a matter of fact, he owns it all, not just a thousand hills, on all the hills. My father owns it all. I have some connections. The Bible says concerning my father that heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. I have a pretty impressive father, don't I? The Bible says he has always been and he always will be. There's a contemporary song we sing nowadays, and that is, he's a good, good father. And he certainly is. Our heavenly father. His name is Yahweh, as we were singing about a few moments ago. And I want you to know I'm connected to him. You see, he's my father, and I'm his son. We're connected. If you're connected, would you say amen? I also have another connection. This one is with my Savior. But the Bible says about my Savior that all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. My Savior one day said to some of those who were talking to him, he said, before Abraham was, I am. And that shook them up real good. Now, Abraham lived 1500 years ago and you're saying before Abraham was, you were or before Abraham was, you am. In other words, you existed, you were alive before Abraham was. That's what Jesus was saying. And that bothered them because they knew if that was, if he was saying that he was making a claim at that particular point that he was God. Well, I got news for you today. If you haven't understood this yet, he was God. Amen. The Bible says he was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the father. His name, in fact, was Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. And Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the father. So my savior, I have connections with him. Do you have connections with the savior today? Amen. His name is Jesus. As a matter of fact, Jesus said there was no other name under heaven whereby we could be saved. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. There is no other name. I am the way, he said. In Hebrew, we would say it this way, Yeshua HaMashiach. We just say Jesus. Just like Yahweh, was, we say Jehovah. I'm just sharing that there's some foundation, there's some background. There's some facts that, that stand behind what we're talking about today. He is, no matter what country you're from, no, water, no matter what land you come from, he is the same. He is our father, he is our savior. And now I've got to tell you, there's somebody else I've got connections with today. And he is my advocate. He's the one we were just reading about in John 14. And it's talked about a lot more in John chapter 16. 
He's the helper. He's the comforter. He's the intercessor. He's the parakletos is the biblical word. He's just as real as my father is. He's just as real as my savior is, except the Bible tells us that he lives inside of us. Something happened in the book of Acts that had never happened before, and that is the Spirit of God came to this earth to indwell the hearts of men and women, boys and girls who are saved. And He indwells our lives today. If you're connected, would you say amen? Now I want you to think about that. You're connected to the Father, you're connected to the Son, you're connected to the Holy Spirit. We have connections with Him. If I were to ask you this morning, do you have connections? I hope you can say yes. I hope you realize that this faith that we have is not something that's on paper or something that's just imaginary. We have connections with the Holy Spirit of God. We have a heavenly father who loves us, a savior who died for us and a Holy Spirit that lives inside of us and is empowering us. And it's up to us. Listen now, it's up to us whether we want to stay connected to him or not. Jesus said in that passage that we just read, it was extremely important for us to stay connected. What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, I'd like to give you some illustrations today to, to, to show you how important it is to be connected. Now, let's just say we are standing in our front yard. It's dry like it is right now. And you realize that there's a fire in the yard and the grass is on fire. You've got a grass fire at your house. So you run to the, you run to pick up the hose and you run out with this sprayer and you run out this hose and you keep on going and you come over here to where the fire is and nothing's happening. It doesn't matter how long you pump it, nothing's coming out. You know what the problem is? It's not connected. Now I may have the, the tools in my hand. And I may be thinking I'm going to accomplish something, but until I hook that up to a water source, I'm wasting my time to stand here and do this. Let me ask you, is it important to be connected? Okay, that's just one example. I better get this out of the way so when we come forward for prayer after a while, it won't mess anybody up. We don't need somebody falling here and getting into trouble. Well, there's another thing that came to mind when I thought about being connected. And that's using something like this. Now, everybody knows what this is, right? It's just an old lamp. Now, if I pick up this lamp and come over here and turn this switch on, is this light bulb going to come on? Not a chance in the world. I can click it all day long. But there's a problem. It's not connected to a power source. It's got to be connected for this thing to work right. Are you with me? The water hose is not going to work unless it's connected to a water source. This lamp is not going to work unless it's connected to a power source. There's another one that came to mind. Everybody got one of these or something similar? Have you ever been in a place where you wanted to use this, but there was no signal? Oh, is that frustrating, right? I mean, when you really need to make a call, an important call, and you... No bars? Or you're talking on the phone driving down the highway and everything's going fine and all of a sudden there's dead silence. No signal. You're not connected any longer. 
I thought about that one for a good while. That could really be developed into a good sermon. Not hearing the signals, not being connected to the Holy Spirit. But we'll go back to what Jesus said. Jesus was teaching us that being connected was extremely important. Jesus said that I am the vine. I'm, I'm the one with the roots that go down deep and the plant that grows up. I am the vine. He said, now you are the branches. Just so happens we have in our church a man that owns a vineyard. And this man was nice enough to share with me yesterday. Don't say vine. This is not a vine. This illustration today is, has a purpose behind it. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the what? This is a branch in biblical terminology. I am the vine, the life source is in me, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And Jesus said, now as long as you stay connected to me, can everybody say connected? As long as you stay connected with me, and the life that's in me can flow through the branch, you'll do what? You'll bear fruit. But when you get disconnected from me, you're good for nothing to be, but, but to be thrown in the fire. How long would I have to sit here and hold this before it bore fruit? It's never going to bear fruit. Yesterday afternoon when Roy cut this branch off, boy, he doomed this branch right here to being fruitless from now on. Amen? Because now it has been severed from the vine. It's disconnected from the vine. There's no life flowing through it. And there's no way in the world that this branch is going to bear fruit now. Because it's been disconnected. Now when you think about that. Look at the reality of that. As a matter of fact, Roy suggested that I... He actually put some paper towels around this that were wet. So when I came home... Uh, I put a, a paper towel in a cup and kept it in water overnight so it would stay green. Otherwise, it probably would be wilted by now. But there's no way that this branch will ever bear fruit again. And Jesus said, I am the vine, you're the branches. Let's go back and take that um, scripture. Take a, just a bit closer look than what we did, having understood now how important it is. To be connected. Jesus said I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. Anybody believe the Bible? Anybody think that Jesus is truthful? Jesus said every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit. He said to his disciples, you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Now what I want you to do in verse 4, he says, I want you to abide in me and I in you. He wants us to be connected. He wants it to be such a connection that it won't be spoken of as I'm going to drop in for a visit occasionally. What does abide mean? 
That's where you live. It, it's, it's, it's your address, okay? If somebody says on a legal document, where, where do you abide? It would ask for where you live. Where do you sleep at night? Where do you spend most of your time? Where do you relax? Where's home? It's where you abide. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. There again, he wants us to abide in him and he wants to abide in us. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. You can't bear fruit unless you abide in me. You can't bear fruit unless you abide in me, the scripture says. I am the vine again, he says. You are the branches, he says. Let's get this straight. The, the source of fruitfulness is not in you. The source of fruitfulness is in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified. That you bear how much fruit? Much fruit. The Bible says that God is glorified if we bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Jesus, knowing what was coming, it was his last hours. He had very little time to speak to his disciples. He took the time to share these words with them. It's about as candid as you can possibly be. It's about as direct as you can possibly be. The words that he says to them. And when I realized the context, I began to think about this. Jesus knew he was about to be crucified. Jesus knew he was about to be betrayed. He knew who was going to betray him. He knew who was going to deny him three times before the rooster crowed the next morning. Am I right? He said all that up front. To those, just think, the apostle Peter heard these words. The only way you're going to bear fruit, Peter, is if you abide in me. And just hours later after hearing that, what did Peter do? He denied the Lord Jesus. And then the next thing you read about him doing after the resurrection, you find that he says, I'm going fishing. And he goes back to his boat and his nets and the disciples go with him. Jesus said, abide in me. Do what I've called you to do. We have this connection that is precious. It's valuable. It's real. And it will be fruitful for you if you'll abide in me and I abide in you. It'll make a difference in your life. Amen? And so, this morning, I just wanted us to think for just a few moments about this idea of connections. 
I'll tell you what, the CEO of, um, as our musicians would come, please. The CEO of Blue Cross and Blue Shield, he thought he had connections by saying, I'll call the governor. Do you know what? We have somebody we can call when we're struggling with a whole lot more clout and power than the governor or the president or anybody else on the face of this earth. And if we are connected, I think sometimes what a shame it is. What a shame it is that we as Christians sometimes, instead of walking as close as we can with Jesus, a lot of times it looks like some people walk as far away as they can and still claim to love Jesus. True? And the Lord doesn't want us to do that. And the, the Bible says, if you will draw near to God, that God will draw near to you. Amen? And I'm going to tell you what, listen, when trouble comes in your life, when times get hard in your life, if tragedy comes to your home, you're going to want a connection with the Lord. You're going to need a connection with the Lord. Isn't it a shame that people sometimes wait until catastrophe comes to their house before they really turn to the Lord? In evangelism, there is a term that is quite popular and used a lot, and that is the word crisis experience. And we're told that most people come to Jesus at a crisis in their life. They have a crisis experience. They, they learn there's a disease or they get some bad news or they go through a, a marriage problem or whatever. And in that crisis, they hadn't given the Lord too much attention, hadn't talked to him too much, maybe never, but now when the when the when the, the 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 going gets rough, and you got problems, and circumstances are just getting worse and worse, we reach a point sometimes when we get humble enough that we're willing to reach up and say, "Lord, I need your help." And at that time, turn to the Lord, and that time become connected, and at that time discover something we could have had all along. A vibrant relationship with God. To know that he's real. Friends, life is too short for us to go through church, go through the motions, just doing what everybody else is doing. We need a connection with the Lord. We need a, we need a relationship with Jesus Christ. We need a surrender in our hearts to the Spirit of God. We need to make Him not only our Savior by praying a sinner's prayer, but we need to make Him our Lord by obeying what He says. We need to give Him all we've got. As a matter of fact, the Bible demands that. That we put Him first in our lives. The Old Testament says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The New Testament says, If you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these other things will be added unto you. If in our hearts and in our lives, if we could get God first, put God first and keep God first and maintain this connection, 
Sometimes it's like riding down the road with one of these. Some places and sometimes you got a great signal. Sometimes in some places we find these things just won't work. I'll tell you this. If you got a connection with the Lord, it's going to be real to you. In the good times and in the bad. I didn't say you wouldn't have bad times. I said the connection that you have with the Lord is going to be real in the good times and in the bad. In the New Testament, one of the most encouraging, revealing scriptures to me about this walk we have with the Lord Jesus Christ is something that Peter said in his uh, epistles as we read in the New Testament. At one place he said, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Listen, troubles and difficulties come to us all. That's just the way life is. But we have a connection. We have a connection with our Father. We have a connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have a connection with the Holy Spirit of God. And that allowed Peter to say... In a time when Christians were being persecuted, they were having their tongues cut out and their eyes gouged out and all kinds of persecutions were coming upon Christians. Peter wrote to them and talked to them about the trial of their faith. And he said it was more precious than of gold that perisheth. And he went on to say that even in spite of all that, we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. (laughs) I'm going to tell you what, going through what he was going through and those types of persecutions and having joy unspeakable lets me know he had a connection with something. And you can have that connection and I can have that connection as well. Shackled by a heavy burden Neath a load of guilt and shame of Jesus touched me and now I am no longer the same He touched me oh
met this blessed Savior. Since He cleansed and made me whole, I will never cease to praise Him. I'll shout it while eternity rolls. He touched me. course again, I believe the Lord has already spoken to some hearts today about how that you need a touch. Doesn't matter who you are, how long you've been a Christian. That's irrelevant at this point. Doesn't matter. But as we sing this again, if you need a touch from the Lord, I'd just like you to come and stand here and in faith sing this song and allow the Spirit of God to reach down and touch you and minister to your need today. We need to be connected to God. We need to be connected to the Holy Spirit. We need to be open to allow Him to speak into our heart and to give us healing. But we have to reach out in faith and claim it and believe it and expect it. Ask for it, the Bible says. You have not because you ask not. So as we sing this... And as usual, we're going to close around the altar with prayer for requests. That'll come just a little bit later. But if you have a need, if you'd like to come and just stand before the Lord, say, Lord, would you touch me? Would you touch me today and make me whole? Let's sing it together. Oh, He touched me.
stay right where you are. I'd like for you to join me in a special prayer and then Brother Chris is coming. We have a family in our church who uh, has a great need. David and Cindy Eaton, who have been with us for probably less than 30 days attending our church. Most of you know that David had a surgery, brain surgery on Friday. He had a tumor. And uh, in his brain, it was not malignant, it's benign, but it was growing and um, interfering with his eyesight. He was losing his sight and um, having headaches and had to come out. So on Friday, um, they did this surgery and they got all the tumor out, but it was um, more invasive then they realized and wrapped around different parts of his um, optic nerves and so forth. And as of this point, um, David is barely able to see out of his left eye. And um, I'm believing the Lord's going to restore that eyesight in that eye. And I've told them that this morning that this church was going to pray that the Lord would restore that. The tumor had to come out, but God is a healer and he's able to do that. So I'd like for you to just join with me that the Lord will give sight to David's eyes, bring him back to where he was before this surgery and provide healing for that eye. I just, I just, um, I feel so strongly that the Lord will do that for him. And I want us to agree together and pray. Would you do that with me now? Lord, we lift David to you today. Now when I see you over at Wakeman, and I just pray, Lord, that you would minister to him. We prayed and believed here in this church the last few weeks in his behalf. We asked for your blessings to be upon him and we prayed for him. 
Lord, uh, before the surgery and even during the surgery. And we're asking now, Lord, that the procedure has been completed and he's doing well. Lord, there's there's no horrendous effects. He's He's speaking. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to speak with him on the phone this morning. Thank you, Lord, that he's has a sound mind. But Lord, we're going to just be bold in faith today and ask you to restore the sight in his eye. Oh Lord, you're a God who is able now that this tumor has been removed and and all the tentacles of it wrapped around the optic nerve. I pray that you would bring healing to his eye for the glory of God. For your name's sake, Lord, do that for this family, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brother Chris.